0: Alright, good morning. My name is Mark Kohlbrenner. My wife and I serve as greeters and life care leaders, and I have the honor and the blessing to be up here this morning to share with you. So right now we're going to dismiss the children, the Rainforest children up to 6th grade, nursery to 6th grade goes out that door, the Quest Youth Group goes out that door, and that is 7th through 12th grades. I would like to be going in either direction. I think it would be fun. And everybody else, take a minute to greet someone around you, please. Thank you, Gabe. Thank you, Shelby. Awesome music. Awesome. I see what Pastor Jeff means when he says it's hard to reel you back in. Yes. Good morning, RLC family, friends, and visitors, and especially you people at home watching. Good morning. Good morning. What a beautiful start to the service. An encouraging word, some great music, praise and worship, Um Pastor Jeff is off ministering in Pennsylvania at a place called the House of the Rock Church today. So people in Pennsylvania are being so blessed this morning. A couple things. Um, the women's event. My wife Lori was a, an integral part of planning it. So I got to see a lot of what went on behind the scenes. A lot of work went into it. But when I got home yesterday afternoon, she was so filled with the Spirit and so excited And so happy, not just that the event went well, but it was such a rewarding event for the women. And we praise God for that. We thank God that he gives us those opportunities. So for the men, November 13th, iron sharpens iron. Little plug right now, if you sign up by next Sunday, it's $20. After next Sunday, it goes up to $40. If you've never attended an iron sharpens iron seminar, it's based on the fact that you take iron to sharpen the iron to make a blade sharper. And we're sharpening each other. As men, we, we get together. They have praise and worship. They have some great seminar speakers. They have a great worship service. And you just come out of there so filled with the Spirit. Um, so if you get a chance to sign-ups out in the lobby, it's November 13th. We're going to carpool out together. And it's just a, an awesome event. I've been to one or two before and this you, you walk away so refreshed. Before I get into the meat of the message, I want to uh, pray with you. So, Father God, we thank you for being here in your house. We thank you that we're here in your house with you this morning. Open our eyes, open our ears, open our hearts to the word that we ha- you have for us today so that we can leave here changed. We can be a better person, a stronger person, a more devoted follower, Father We know that everyone here will benefit from every word you give. Not everyone here will benefit from every word, but some people will get something. Everyone will get a little piece of this, of your word today. So, Father, we ask that you bless each and every one of us with your word, your presence, and your love. In Jesus' name, amen. So that last song, nothing is impossible. Nothing with God is impossible. The last few weeks, my wife and I have been cleaning out my mother's apartment as we're getting ready to move her into an assisted living and she calls it her 83 years of collecting. And she collected. But we're looking at a lot of pictures as we were cleaning stuff out. And there's pictures of me and my youth when I made my first communion at the Catholic Church. It was St. Mary's Church in, in South in Corn Cornhill, And my confirmation. And I'm thinking as I'm looking at these pictures that God really has nothing impossible he can do. I was a shy little Catholic ball kneeling on it. boy. Kneeling on that altar at St. Mary's, and now I'm in front of a church group like this, praising and worshiping. So God is truly great. I have a question for you. How many many people here have had an easy time in the last year and a half through COVID-19? Yeah, I didn't expect many hands. Is there anyone here that was not affected by it? Or had a difficult time or hardships? Had heartbreaks or losses? But COVID-19, the pandemic, is only one of the things the enemy is throwing at us. It's only one of the battles we're fighting with the enemy. There's so many others. There's illness. There's sick to loved ones. There's deaths in our families. There's anger. There's abuse situations. There's addictions. There's all kinds of sin out there, even the crazy people that are driving the road when you're supposed to be going somewhere and they're in your way. The enemy didn't put them there. Their purpose in getting somewhere else did. All these things that are battles that the enemy throws at us, and we need to be prepared to fight this craziness. The world around us is just going wild right now, and we as Christians need to bring more people to Christ. Like anyone else fighting a battle, a warrior, a soldier, a first responder, such as a firefighter, we all need to be prepared, and we need to have the right equipment. To have the right equipment to fight the enemy is how you're going to win. As a firefighter, and I spent 33 years here in the city of Rome as a firefighter, thank you, it was really my blessing, it was a childhood dream. About 90% of the pictures my parents had was me with my father's fire stuff, so I lived out God's plan for me. But we we wear what we call turnout gear. and We call it turnout gear because it's the gear that we put on, the equipment that we put on when we're turning out for emergencies. And it's made to protect us. The coat, the pants, the gloves, and the hood that we wear over our head are all made of a material called Nomex. And Nomex protects our body from being burned. The material won't burn. It takes extremely high temperatures for it to burn. In a normal house fire, just a residential house fire, temperatures can get up to 1,000 degrees or hotter. And so we have to protect ourselves from the burns. And in inner layers, it's almost like it's aluminum foil and it, it deflects the heat from our bodies. Our boots are made of heavy leather, they're waterproof, but they also have steel in the toes and steel in the bottom, the shank of the boot. So if we step on something sharp or we drop something on our feet, our feet and toes are protected. Our helmets are made of a very dense plastic that protects us from anything hitting us in the head. In my case, it was just as protective from me hitting my head on doorways because so many times I went in to be the hero to save something, and I took out somebody's door casing with my helmet, or broke another helmet. The big tank we carry on our back is full of room air. It's just normal air that's been filtered and dried so that it doesn't have any moisture in the tank, and it's so that we can breathe in the toxic environment that we're going into. The stuff that burns today in our houses the plastics and the, the fabrics and stuff give off such terrible, toxic chemicals We have to protect our airways and our breathing in order to go in and put the fire out. All this equipment that we put on weighs between 50 and 60 pounds. And then you add to it the heavy tools that we carry. Or as you see, this gentleman's dragging a hose. I think it might be a woman, but dragging a hose that's even heavier. But that's how we prepared to go into battle the enemy or the fire that we were coming into. We needed to have that equipment on correctly every time. And we needed to make sure it was in good working order. So every morning when we get to work before our shift started, we would check all of our equipment. we checked to make sure that it was in good working order, especially the air pack. And part of it was you want to be assured that you're going to be safe, and the other part of it is we are all human. We all make mistakes. And it's not intentional that the, the shift before me went on a call, he used up half the air tank, and he forgot to refill it. It was a busy day. Something else happened where Those little mistakes could happen, but you don't want to find out in the midst of fighting the enemy that you don't have enough air in your tank or you're missing a glove or your your helmet. So we checked our gear every day, and you had to be quick and efficient in knowing how to use it. One of my favorite things when we'd get a new rookie firefighter in was making them put it on every day and timing them. When they're in the training academy, that's what they do is they're timed, and they have a certain amount of time to put it on. So every morning for the first month or two, we would get the rookie out in the middle of the apparatus floor and tell him, okay, now put all your stuff on and we start a timer. Because you want to be good at it. You want to be efficient. That was our armor that protected us. No one should go into a battle or into a situation that's dangerous without the proper equipment, training, and attitude it takes to be safe and defeat that situation. In life, being prepared for battles involves putting on the armor of God. Ephesians 6, 13 through 18, talks about the armor of God. It says, therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy in a time of evil. We know the enemy's coming. We know he's going to attack us. Evil is going to try to take over our lives. And the armor of God is what we're going to use to protect us. Then after the battle, you will be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all these, put up, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Just like the firefighter putting on the hull his gear, you need to put on the armor of God. And it also says, pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. One of my favorite Bible stories is the story of David and Goliath. In 1 Samuel 17, verses 4-7, through it talks about Goliath and his armor. Goliath was a giant man, 9 feet tall. And he was the one who was challenging the Israelite army to come and fight him. And Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, came out with, from the Philistine ranks to face the forces of Israel. He was over 9 feet tall. He wore a bronze helmet and his bronze coat of mail, weighing 125 pounds. Now, if you don't know what mail is, it's interwoven rings of bronze that makes up his coat. It his sho- covers his arms, his chest, and his back. And it's so that the sword or the, the spears can't easily penetrate through to harm him. Weighed 125 pounds. He also wore a bronze leg armor, and he carried a bronze javelin on his shoulder. The shaft of his spear was as heavy and thick as a weaver's beam, tipped with a spearhead that weighed 15 pounds. A weaver's beam is a device that's into the weaving machine that's typically two and a half to three inches in diameter. And it's made of either really st- solid wood or metal because it does not you don't want it to bend as they're weaving and pulling tight on the, the, the lines. So that spear he had was two and a half or three inches in diameter. If you've ever watched the Olympics or the sport of throwing the javelin, that one's about an inch to an inch and a half in diameter and very flexible. Here, Goliath has this giant spear with a 15-pound spearhead on the end. And his armor bearer walked ahead of him carrying a shield. He was that important to that Philistine army that he had someone carry his shield for him and hold the shield up to protect him. I think the other part of it was he had so much weight on him with all this other armor He couldn't even afford to carry that shield. So he was coming out every morning, and he was challenging the Israelite army. And he would say, any one of you that wants to come and challenge me, come forward. He was so confident in his protective armor and so confident in his skills as a warrior that he put his whole country on the line, all of his country people. He said, if you send someone out and they defeat me, that we will be slaves for your, for Israel for the rest of our lives. But if I defeat your soldier, you will be slaves to the Philistines. So a lot of confidence, a lot of protective stuff. Then along comes David. David is Jesse's youngest son. He's got older brothers that are out fighting in the army, and Jesse was kept at home to, man, to, to take care of the sheep, to take care of the herd in the pasture. When I was younger, I always thought that that must be a pretty easy job, right? You stand out in the field. They've got to have barbed wire fence out there or something to keep them in. And you watch the sheep during the day, and then you go to sleep at night. But it really wasn't that easy because David tells of fighting off wolves and bears and lions while he was protecting the sheep. So I was pretty surprised at that. that they leave the youngest one out there, and the older ones go to war. But for 40 days, Goliath come out every day and challenged the Israelites. Come and fight me. Send one person to fight me, and either I win and you are our slaves, or you win and we'll be your slaves. So when David was brought in front of Saul and he said, don't you worry about that big Philistine, I'm going to take him out. Saul said, I don't think you can do that. There's no way you can defeat him. Look at you, you're a young boy. The average size of a, a teenage boy in those days was somewhere... Around 5'8", five, 5'9", five, five, Kind of short compared to the big nine-footer that was out there in the field. And Saul said, there's no way you can defeat him. In Samuel, 1 Samuel 17, 37, David said, The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from the Philistine. So that's the confidence David has that God is with him. That God is watching over him. That God has given him the strength to defeat the lion and the bear and he will give him the strength to defeat the big Goliath. David knew he was capable because he knew God was on his side. He knew that he had the armor of God. But Saul decided that he was going to give David his armor. And I'm sure Saul, being the leader of the army, had some of the best armor there was made. So David put it on, and and I liken David putting on Saul's armor to me putting on all my firefighting gear on my little grandson. If he can stand up, it's an accomplishment if he doesn't fall down and get hurt, I'm not in trouble. But David started putting it on and he says, this is too heavy and bulky. I don't need this. I have the armor of God. And he picks up five stones, takes his sling, and goes out to face the giant. Again, why would David think this is a good idea? He's fighting the biggest of the Philistine army, who's already called out the Israelite army, who said no, and he's going out to face him. But it was that Armor of God, the protection of God in him. He knew that God had already protected him from the lions and the bears. We are afforded that same armor every day in our lives. And we need to put it on. We need to wear it. We need to be effective and efficient with it and and understand its protective measures. We'll go back to Ephesians 6, 13 through 18. Therefore, put on God's armor so that you will resist the enemy in a time of evil. There's nothing more helpful when the enemy is attacking you than have your armor ready, your your battlements ready to fight back. Then after the battle, you'll be standing firm. So stand your ground, putting on a belt of truth, the body armor of God's righteousness, the shoes of peace that comes from the good news, a shield of faith, block the fiery arrows, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the spirit. And I'm going to break those down a little bit more for you. In verse 14, it says, Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth. The Lord is telling us that our loins, the center part of our core of our body, needs to be wrapped in truth so that the enemy can't attack it. We know that truth sets us free and keeps us free. And that only God is the truth. In John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is that truth in our life. God is that truth in our life. The enemy is the liar. The enemy is the one that comes to attack us with the lies. He comes to kill and destroy us, to steal from us. If you wrap your body, the midsection of your body, the core of your body, the space between your hips and your ribs, with the belt of truth, you're going to defeat the king of lies. Through all of time and in every culture, God has seen the paths that people take. He's watched every generation for thousands and thousands of years in which way they go. He's watched every individual that he ever placed on this earth in the path that they took. And he's watched how sometimes it hurts them and derails them. And I'm sure that it hurts him So we need to take the path that delights God, that delights the Lord. The enemy is an expert at attacking us. He knows what is inside our core already. He wants to attack it, expand it, make it worse for us. We need to apply that belt of truth effectively and pursue the truth in all aspects of our life. I know that one of the biggest threats to my inner core is the false truths that we face every day. The rumors, the falseness that's coming out. If you watch the news media, if you go on social media, if you listen to gossip, you listen to the rumors, there's so many different false truths out there. I tell you, if you switch to six different newscasts and listen to the same article, you will get different information in every one of them. And then someone else that heard them will give you a different version, their version, of that information that you just listened to false truth spread faster than weeds. It's a disease for us within our body, our hearts and our souls. Recently, I heard some disturbing information about the senior complex that my mother was living in. There were some rumors going around that were kind of disturbing so I set out to send a message to one of the administrators because she had been very helpful with us in some issues that we had and I wanted her to know what was being said in the buildings. So I got on my telephone with my text messaging, which I'm okay at. Not real good, but I'm okay at. And I start sending her a text. And my text started with, I don't know if you've heard the rumors. And I went on to explain to her what I had heard and what was going on. Well, spell check, the bane of my texting, changed rumors to tumors. So when this young lady texted me back and said something about tumors, I'm like, what's she talking about tumors I'm telling you what these people are saying, and you're sending back silliness about tumors. And then I read my text message and went, oh. But think about it. Rumors are tumors. Rumors grow like tumors. And you have to protect yourself from those tumors and rumors. It's funny because every text she sent me after that, she signed it, tumors. Like I needed to be reminded. Avoiding the the false truths, living in the true word of God is what's going to help you there. Aside from being a firefighter, I spent 40 years working in the hospital part-time as an x-ray tech. And I got to be a clinical instructor and I taught a lot of classes on radiation safety and how to protect yourself. Well, most people don't know that radiation is very dangerous for you if not applied right. It's good for you if it's applied right because radiation, the radiation that's used for x-rays or radiation therapy, it's used to kill tumors. And the reason it works is because the radiation kills or attacks the cells in your body that are most rapidly growing or changing. That's why we have signs everywhere in, in radiology departments that say, if you're pregnant, let somebody know. Because a fetus or a baby developing within mom's womb is the most rapidly changing cells in the human body. Aside from that, in second place comes tumors. Tumors tend to grow, especially cancerous tumors, grow at a very rapid rate. Cells are dividing very rapidly. And by hitting with radiation, we can kill them. So say I had a tumor in the middle of my chest and they were going to do radiation therapy. It's going to do some damage to the rest of my tissue around it. But it's going to do more damage to those rapidly growing cells. So the word of truth to attack the tumors in our life will start killing off those rapidly Changing mistruths or false truths. And we need to fight those. One thing that my mother always reminded me of was not telling the truth is still lying. And also a half-truth. I gave you half the stories right and the other half's not. It's a lie. Avoid those lies and put on that belt of truth. The next piece of your armor is the breastplate of righteousness. Righteousness means being made right. The righteousness Jesus gave us, by the righteousness Jesus gave us, we're made right with God. So we're made right with God through Christ. Second Corinthians 5.21 in the Amplified Edition says, He made Christ, who knew no sin, to be sin on our behalf. Christ lived a life, a sinless life, a good life. But he took all of our sins so that in him we would become a right, the righteousness of God. That is, we would be made acceptable to him and placed in right relationship with him by his gracious, loving kindness. Jesus took away all our sin. Jesus connects us to make us right with God. And we have to live that righteousness with God to reap the benefit of the loving king. The breastplate of armor is used to protect our heart. Law enforcement, military personnel wear bulletproof vests. They can be, some of them are very cumbersome. The newer stuff is very lightweight. But my wife and I and our family had the opportunity when the 10th Mountain Division was training at Griffiths Airport to go up and see the displays of their equipment and talk about what they do and how they do it. If you remember back in the summer, they had the helicopters flying over us all day long. There were several hundred Army troops up at Griffiths Park working, doing an exercise, a training exercise. And one of the things that really stood out for me was this young soldier on the hood of his, his Humvee had an older version of their armor and a newer version. And it's the stuff they wear in battle. And it's to protect them from projectiles or bullets penetrating their center core. And the newer version had a metal plate about the size of the center of your chest. that was about two inches thick. Because the enemies are using more powerful weapons against the armies, They needed something thicker to protect their front. And that's what they wear in there. And it was funny because we put the, the jacket on my grandson and he stood there trying to stand up. And he was given the weave and the wave as he was standing there. But that's our breastplate of armor from God is what we need to protect our heart. Protecting our hearts helped us become more righteous with God. And we, complete, we need to complete and continuously keep our righteous being intact. Without righteousness, freely given to us from the Father through Christ, we can be tempted and entangled in of all of the enemy's schemes. Obedience to God brings righteousness and protects our hearts from being wounded. So how do we utilize that breastplate of Righteousness. We take in and apply the Lord's instructions for us. We take in and apply God's plans for us. God has a good plan for us. If we don't stray from that, our life is going to be good. It's when we stray from that that the evil kicks right in. We need to take in and apply his instructions. I'll tell you, when I was that little Catholic boy, I would never have thought I'd be in front of a church talking. I was very shy as a young boy, and, and when I grew out of it, I got into all kinds of teachings, and this is the best teaching you can do. If there's an area in your life that's entangled in sin, your breastplate of righteousness needs to be foundational scriptures. You need to find something to throw back at the enemy. If you're having trouble figuring that out, ask for help from a trusted friend. Ask for help from someone from church. We all struggle as Christians. Jesus said this life's not gonna be easy, but if you live it right, it's going to be good. And we shouldn't struggle alone. Ecclesiastes 4.12 says, a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, and a three, for a three-quarter braided cord is not easily broken. So we need to stand back to back each other. If our breastplate is covering our front, We're vulnerable to our back. But if I have a brother or sister standing behind me, their breastplate is protecting my back. My breastplate is protecting their back. We need to work together to protect each other. The shoes or the gospel of peace. Peace is an attribute of God, not his character. Peace is what God gives us. Peace, according to Merriam-Webster Dictionary, is... The state of tranquility or quiet. We all like that peace, don't we? The Oxford Dictionary defines it as the state of being calm or quiet. I struggle with the calm part. I can be quiet sometimes. Peace in the Bible is a little bit different. Peace in the Bible is more than a lack of conflict or state of rest. It means a oneness or a wholeness with God. We need a connection with God. The Greek word for peace is irene, which means one, peace, quietness, and rest. It originates from the root word ireo, which means to join or tie together into a whole. It's joining together in a whole. Therefore, irene means unity. It's bringing multiple parts together to form a whole peace. It's bringing the church together to fight the enemy together. It's bringing a family together. It's bringing friends together. It's... Resolving disputes or conflicts with each other. It means bringing unity to the church. It's a oneness with God that produces peace in our life. The stronger your relationship, the stronger you're one with God, you're melded together with God, the more peaceful your life will be. In the book of Ephesians chapter 6, it repeatedly talks about standing or standing firm. In verse 11, it says, put on all of God's armor so that you'll be able to stand firm against the strategies of the devil. In verse 13, it says, then after the battle, you will be standing firm. And In, chap- in verse 14, it says, stand your ground. Standing firm means having a firm oneness with God, a good stance with God, being strong with God. To defeat the charging enemy. I taught, for many years, I taught CPR classes that taught CPR and choking. My first exposure to Resurrection, Resurrection Life Church was at the old building on Lamphere Road when I got to teach CPR to the church members a long time ago. I taught CPR for many years because my father got me into it and it became my passion. But when I talked about choking to my students... Choking, adult choking victim, you reach around and put your fist against their belly, and you pull up, trying to force whatever's in their airway out. And I remind them that the person is not breathing, so they're not getting oxygen to their brain. They may become unresponsive. So you need to be standing firm and ready for that. So if they become unresponsive, number one, you don't drop them on the floor and they get hurt. Or worse yet, you don't let go, and they pull you to the floor, and you both get hurt. So I would tell them to put one foot between your legs, move your other leg back, and have a good stance. Be ready for something to go wrong. That's what we have to do in life. That's how we stay one with God, by keeping our feet firmly planted, separated a little bit, so we don't get pushed over. A weak stance affords the enemy a way to knock us right off kilter. If you go out in a windstorm and stand with your feet together and your knees locked, you're going to feel the wind can move you just like a tree. But if you put your feet a little bit separated, you stand firm. you bend your knees a little bit so you've got some strength in your legs, you're going to stand strong. And that strong stance is what we need to protect us. When we get anxious, when we get worried, when we're uneasy in life, our peace is robbed. The oneness with God is, is destroyed or, or broken. The gospel stories of Jesus of his teachings, his life, his death, is our stance to be firm and and peaceful. Knowing that Jesus was there for us, he lived for us, he taught us how to live our lives, and he died for us to package up all of our sin and take it away, is our peace in life. By surrounding ourselves in Scripture, it ensures that's going to be strong in our lives. The shield of faith, the Roman soldiers carried big, heavy leather shields that were soaked in water. And they were soaked in water so that they would be very wet. So when the enemy fired burning arrows at them, they would hit the shield, be stuck by the struck or blown off by the thickness of the leather, but also extinguished by it. So those arrows couldn't penetrate and they couldn't be burned. Our Christian faith shields need to be dipped in God's word every day we need the the true waters of god's words to soak through our shields to extinguish the flame shot at us making them more effective to protect us we know that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of god and if faith makes you feel less confident it's wise to ask god to increase it it's okay to ask god for things like help me be more faithful help me be a better believer In Mark chapter 9, a man came to Jesus and said, Would you please heal my son if you can? My son is sick. Please heal him if you can. Have mercy on us if you can. And Jesus said, What do you mean if I can? Anything is possible for a person who believes. Jesus told him that. Anything is possible for a person that believes. And the man said, I believe, but help me with my unbelief. So this man was asking for his dying son to be healed but he also asked Jesus to help him with his unbelief. It's okay to ask for help in those circumstances. I like the saying that says, don't let your circumstances control your faith. Let your faith control your circumstances. Don't let your circumstances control your faith. Let your faith control those circumstances. Finding the words that you need in the Bible is so easy today. There's so many avenues. The Internet is awesome. One of my favorites, Bible Gateway. But a long time ago when I first preached at a different church and I was putting together a message, I had five or six Bibles out in different versions. And I would go through each version to see which one fit my understanding the best. It's not always what that word is going to do when you say it or read it. It's how you're going to comprehend it. With the devices we have today in the Internet, all I have to do is go on my tablet and I click a little box and it gives me all the versions, and I can just click through them. And I understand so much better the Word of God because He puts it in my terms in one other version or another. So use that as a, as a tool to help you. Reaching out in unbelief and doubting is Very normal for a Christian. Finding those helping verses is important. And one of the best resources we have is each other. Each other as Christian brothers and sisters to help us. Remember, two are better than one. A triple-corded braid is difficult to break. Twenty is powerful. Thousands undefeatable because God is with us. My commercial for today is Life Care. It's a free commercial; won't cost you nothing. Early service I told him was 1995 at the end. But I'll give you the free version. If you are not connected to the Wednesday Life Care, it is one of the biggest things you're missing in life. It's our Wednesday night service, and if you don't understand what it is, I'll explain very briefly. As brothers and sisters, we get together and we share our love, our faith, and our devotion with each other. You don't need to be a Bible scholar. I can remember in past Bible studies I did, people would say, I can't go because I don't know the Bible that well. You don't need to. You don't need to be able to quote all the scriptures and give their address. You know, the address in the Bible is not important. The words that are at the address are important. You know, how many go to the grocery store and know the street address of the grocery store? It's the food that you're taking in that's important. The address in the Bible is not as important as the word. So you don't need to be a Bible scholar. We get together we open up with some song. We do a little praise and worship. We do praise reports. What, what happened good to people's lives this week? And then we talk about the service. As a life care leader, one of the things that I found, the best thing I found in life care is, after we talk about praise reports, I say, what talked to you? What spoke to you about Sunday's message? And people open up, and the discussions are so spirit-filled and so fulfilling. It runs for a 10-week cycle, then we take 10 weeks off. We're at midway right now, so if you want to join one. Wednesday night, there's two of them here at 7 p.m. You're welcome to come. And Wednesday afternoon, there's a life care group, and there's information on the screen out in the lobby. Get connected with brothers and sisters. They're going to help you. There's nothing better than having someone close to you in, in Christian love that you can reach out and text, as long as you can text without spell check, or call and say, hey, I'm having a problem. I reached out to a friend of mine this morning that didn't show up at church. I said, hey, where are you? You're not at church. How thankful would you be when you miss church on Sunday to have someone reach out to you and say, hey, where are you? Are you okay? So Life Care, 1995, available now on Wednesday night. (laughs) The helmet of salvation. Do you realize that salvation comes to us, the moment we place our trust in Jesus' death. That's all you need to do. Place your trust in Jesus' death. That Jesus died for you. That Jesus took away your sins. And resurrection is your payment. Salvation. The helmet of salvation is like the breastplate of righteousness. It's based on the work of Christ to save us, not on our work. We just have to apply it. But it also involves a journey with God and allowing him to work that salvation into our lives. Now I know on the cross, there was three crosses hanging there. Jesus was in the middle and the one on his right said, I believe in that you are our Savior, take me with you. And he was a criminal that probably lived his whole life as a criminal and he was saved. But I myself don't want to get to that point when I'm laying there taking my last breath, hoping that God is going to remember that I'm talking to him now. Talk to him every day. Be a part of him every day. The battlefield of our minds is the place where the biggest spiritual battles are fought. So work with God to free that from your mind, to take away the enemy's fight, and keep that strong. In John ten ten, it says, "The thief comes not, not to the thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and destroy. I have come that you may have life, and life more abundant." Fight that enemy off and believe in Jesus and you will have life more abundant. Now that doesn't mean, and Pastor said it so many times, I just I feel great repeating it. That doesn't mean you're gonna have that new car, the Ferrari, the Lamborghini, the bigger house, the winning lottery ticket. I've been winning the lottery for years because I don't buy tickets. That means that life is gonna be what you need. God knows what you need. We live in an amazing country. We have food on our table. We have roofs over our head. We have running water. Do you realize that we are in the 10% most richest people in the world, in America? Thank God for that. That's the life you can live abundantly because you believe in God. You fight that enemy. Colossians 3 2. In Colossians 3 2, it says, Think about things of heaven, not things of earth. Think about what God has for you, not what this crazy society has for you. This society is so difficult today because everything comes at you so fast. It's It's very important to remember that God's character and his faithfulness in scriptures, but also remember his character and faithfulness in your life. What has God already done for you and what is he doing for you every day? Remember that and live by that. The sword of the Spirit. The Word is the sword of the Spirit. God's Word is the sword of the Spirit. The sword is not just a weapon of defense, but it's a weapon of offense. If I get hurt, it's Pastor Gabe's fault, because he gave (laughs) me this. The soldiers that carried swords for battle had it sharpened on both sides. It was sharpened so that they could use it for both offense and defense. So if the enemy was attacking me, and if you've seen the movies, I hold my sword up to block his attacks. And then when he leaves an opening, I attack back with my sword. It's an offensive but also a defensive weapon. I'll put it down before I do hurt myself. (laughs) Thank you, Pastor Gabe. The sword is also good for helping to defend or protect A brother or sister in Christ. To have the words, the Word of God to share with that person to help defeat the evil that's taken over their life. That sword of the Word of God could be used offensively and defensively to protect you, to protect others. Jesus modeled the sword of the Word of God when he was being tempted in the wilderness. When Jesus was tempted by the, the enemy in the wilderness, Everything he said started with, the scripture says. The scripture says, man does not live on bread alone. The scripture says you should worship only your God and serve only him. The scripture says you must not test the Lord your God. Jesus showed us how to use the scripture to fight off the enemy. And after those three responses, and the enemy was walking away, he wasn't walking away for good. He was just going away till he came back. In Luke 4.13 it says, When the devil had finished all his tempting, he left him until an opportune time. Just because you defeat the devil right now, don't think he's gone. He's coming back. He's going to regroup. The Israelite soldiers did the same thing early in the battles before Goliath came out. They would clash in the valley and then they would retreat, regroup, and come back for more. The NLT version says the devil was waiting for the next opportunity. In the Amplified version, he was waiting for a more opportune time. The devil knows what you're doing. He knows what you're feeling. He knows what you're thinking. He knows when to start attacking. So we need to be prepared for battle every day. Fortunately, as a firefighter, I didn't wear all that gear every day all day long. It was prepared. It was ready, and I put it on when I needed it to fight our battle. For us, we need to get up every morning and make sure we have the armor of God on, that we wear it all the time, that we're protecting our hearts, our core, our heads, our souls, our bodies. With his armor of God, David took those five stones and defeated a giant. And then we know the rest of the story. He goes on to be a king. He's in the lineage of Jesus Christ. We are in the lineage of Jesus Christ. God told Abraham he was going to multiply the world and we are all a part of that family. We need to stay strong. We need to be ready for battle. We need to be able to defeat the enemy. What giants are you facing today? When you leave here with your armor of God, be ready to fight them, to face them. Put on your armor of God, stand back to back with a brother or sister and go to battle and we'll all win. I ask that everyone bow your heads, close your eyes. I believe that each and every one of us came here this morning for a reason. I believe everyone at home is watching for a reason. Some of us don't know exactly what that reason is, but many of us know exactly why we're here. We're here because of Jesus Christ. We're here because God is with us. If you're at all questioning why you're here, why you're listening or looking at us online, or you're here for the first time, we want to pray for you. In fact, I want everyone today to join us in this prayer. Father God, I thank you. I thank you for leading me here today and showing yourself to me. I thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who lived a sinless life, who was crucified on the cross, and who died to take away my sins. I thank you for Jesus. I thank you for the place you have made for me in heaven. For your unconditional love, your unconditional forgiveness, and your unconditional grace. I want to journey my way through life, following the path that Jesus has led me to. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you prayed a prayer like that for the first time today, please, please, please let us know. You can go on our website and give us information or just tell one of the ushers I prayed for the first time. There is nothing more blessed in a Christian's life than know that we've touched someone and brought them to Jesus. I want to pray for you all before I send you out into that evil world between those double doors. Father God, I thank you for all my brothers and sisters here, Father I thank you for the word you've given us today, Father. This was just an amazing day to spend together, amazing time in your house to be blessed by you. Father, protect us with the shields, the armor, everything we need as we go out into this crazy world. And bless us that we can bless all those we come in contact with through Jesus' name, amen. Thank you and have a blessed day.